Welcome to episode 319 of Canada's Pinball Podcast, the only pinball podcast that Jack Danger has not streamed yet. All right, ladies and gentlemen, on this episode, we're going to talk about this year's loving better last, right? I want to talk about the Ellie mentality and, and how it's sort of, it's a cyclical process that we experience every time a new Ellie pinball machine comes out. But I've got about six or seven or eight things I want to talk about on this episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast. We'll call them Canada's Eight Fast Thoughts. And then I will read some emails and then I'm going to go to work. How does that sound? All right, number one on our list, and we're going to get to the Stern LE stuff, but number one on our list is the Spooky Pinball $1,000 deal. Now, here's what I want to say about this, and we've talked about it before. You know how I feel about it, but here's what I want to ask all of you out there. Do you think it's fair that a company can lock people in to their deposit and the contract in which people sign is completely one-sided? And by that, I mean the following. I give a company a $1,000 deposit on a product that they are promising to get me. Now, here's the problem with the promise. You don't know when you're going to get it, but you can never get your money out. There is nothing in the contract with Spooky that says, if we don't ship the first game within the first six months of taking your deposit, you then can get your money out, right? It basically says in their agreement that they are aiming to ship games, all of the games within 18 months. But the word aiming basically means we're that's what we hope to do doesn't mean that's what we will accomplish. So do you think that's fair that people now who are sick of waiting can't get out? Yeah, I don't think it's fair. And, and the more I look at people selling their spots for like there's some guy selling his spot 137 for $450. Okay, $450 and he's number 137 on the list. He's not even near even the middle and nobody's buying the spot and nobody can move in front of where they're at. The whole thing, the whole thing I think is just ridiculous. And I think moving forward, uh, Charlie and company and any other manufacturer out there that is thinking of taking non-refundable deposits, they have to put into these deals some sort of insurance uh, for uh, the consumer that allows them to back out of the deposit if the manufacturer themselves does not hold up their end of the bargain. And this sort of broad language that we're aiming to get the game out, I think it's a raw deal for people. Now, look, I'm not in on it. I would never sign such a deal. I don't think anyone who gave money so long ago, but people gave money on day one. It was a year ago. I don't think anyone ever thought the delays would take this long to get the game out the door. Uh, it almost made no sense why Charlie even showed the game a year ago. He had enough TNA orders. I think it reeks of one thing. I think he was just really 
insecure and anxious on whether or not TNA would actually take off. It did. It helped them. Uh, but that's all I'm saying. In the future, people, be wiser with your money. Don't just go in on stuff. We know that is a behavior that it permeates throughout the pinball hobby. All right, number two on Canada's fast thoughts. Uh, no, I'm look. I'm these aren't. I didn't. I'm not stealing Nate's approach here. Uh, Chicago Gaming Company. I heard a rumor, and someone sent this to me, and they said, "I'm sure you've heard by now." And this is supposedly from a very reliable source. I'm sure you've heard by now that Chicago Gaming's next game is done. It's complete. And here's the part that's interesting. It's an original licensed game. It is not a remake. Do you believe this rumor is correct? That Chicago Gaming has a game ready to go right after Monster Bash. Now look, Monster Bash was also delayed almost an entire year. And we know that when a company is planning their games, development on the next game doesn't stop because... Uh, there is a delay on the current game. Uh, games are developed simultaneously. So because there's been an entire year delay, we were supposed to see Monster Bash at TPF 2018. Do you think that that means that the next game from Chicago Gaming is complete? I've heard that it will ship with completed code. It's an original game. It's not an original IP. It's an, it's an original game that's a licensed IP. What license does Chicago Gaming have? Who are the designers working at Chicago Gaming? Who are the artists that they have? There is a lot of question marks I have around a rumor like that. But take it for what it's worth. Uh, That then does beg the question, when will we see this game? What is it? Could it be a surprise reveal at TPF? I don't know. I don't think so. They're still gonna. They still have a lot of Monster Bash remake LEs to get out the door. I think the earliest we would see this game from them would be somewhere around Pimberg or sometime at Expo. Uh, but take that for what it's worth. All right, number three: Stern LE Monsters Machines are shipping. Uh, they, they took a little bit longer than normal to get out the door. Normally, Stern is better uh, with getting people their LEs and, and, and the first shipments of games after they reveal the game. The Monsters felt like there was another three weeks of delay or maybe even more uh, for people to finally get their LE machines. But lo and behold, you can't complain. Stern Pinball gets people their games faster than any other manufacturer like way faster than any other manufacturer just think about it for a minute they revealed this game when i i I think it was january right here we are end of february today is the last day in february and people have the game in their homes i mean that's that's incredible if you really break it down who else is even in the same ballpark, right? American Pinball, six months delayed on Oktoberfest. Uh, Jersey Jack, a year delayed on Pirates of the Caribbean. Spooky Pinball, a year delayed on, on Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle. So Stern Pinball, we know it. Well-oiled machine. People are getting their LEs, all right? Now, look. This is where I want to talk a little bit about how LE owners are starting to just kind of annoy me a little bit. And I'll explain why. Because 600 people out there in the world are about to get their Munsters LE machines. And they're getting them. And friends of mine who are getting them are sending them to me in this weird way of like, they're like, look at this. I got an LE. I I do feel like LE buyers have this false sense of accomplishment. Like they, they got one. 
Like, it was hard to get one. It wasn't. It never is. Almost every single Stern LE is pretty easy to get. And the Munsters LE, it, it, was, it was successful in the sense that I do believe that all 600 of them are spoken for. But it wasn't. It wasn't the impossible to get kind of game the way uh, Batman was, the way Ghostbusters was. And I even think Iron Maiden even sold out faster than than this title. Now, that being said, they still sold all of them. Good for them. Stern's got all 600 spoken for. And when people get them, though, here's the thing that always annoys me about LE buyers. Majority of these people have never played the game before. So they didn't buy it because they knew they loved the game. They didn't buy it because they know it's a great game. They just bought it because they do have a fear of missing out on getting an LE version of the game. And the LE version of this game, I will say, is effing gorgeous. The game looks incredible. It is it is exciting to see um, a game that is as visually stimulating as a Monster's LE. I won't lie. I mean, I'm not going to come on here and say the game's not sexy as F. It is sexy as fuck. It is. It, it, it looks amazing. It, it looks really, really cool. Um, so if you just look at it and get all giddy, for a lot of these guys, that's enough, right? It's going to be a pinball game. They're still going to have fun flipping it. Um, but but here's what always happens. The LD owners get their game, and then they have to sort of tell me how it's the best game ever, that they just got, you know, it's so much fun. I stayed up all night playing it. And I'm like, well, you fucking should stay all all you know, up all night playing it. You just spent $9,000 on a pinball game that you don't even know if you like it or not. And I'm sure it's going to be fun for these people because here's why. The majority of LE buyers, they have something that's called an addiction to getting the next thing, the next thing. I mean, I know a lot of people, more LE buyers than none. They almost go in on every single LE machine. They just have an addiction to buying the next Stern machine. And they are like a kid on Christmas morning when it arrives and they just go nuts. And it's so enjoyable for them to unbox it, to turn it on, to wax the playfield for the first time. And, and you know, and they're playing it in a home use environment. So they've got the music going, they got the sound cranked up and their light shows going. And it's all new to them on that first day, on that first week. And we call that the honeymoon period of owning a pinball machine. We've all experienced it. But, you know, somewhere somewhere in, in, in the middle of people on pin side saying they don't like it and people who get LEs saying it's the best pin ever, somewhere there's the truth maybe in, in how good the game is. It's way too early, right? I mean, we could, we could debate this for, for centuries on how long does it take before you can actually make up in your mind on whether or not a game is, is decent, is good, is great, or is a classic. And a brand new game, we don't know yet, right? The code's not done. The shots will never change. So you can judge the shots, but also everything about a pinball machine is very subjective. I look at the Munsters as a gorgeous pin. I don't see stuff that's completely like revolutionary or completely innovative. I shot the pro. I enjoyed it. I can't see how much more the lower playfield would add to the experience. Uh, I, I think the code is what it is. I don't like the canceling of the jackpot approach. Uh, it feels like you're doing all these negatives to get to a positive. Uh, you know, the, the light show's great. The art is great. The theme is really neat if you're into, into the monsters. And the ultimate takeaway is you have to play the game uh, if, you, uh, if, you know, if you're thinking of buying one. I don't think this is a game where like you can just buy sight unseen. 
All right, but we're going to always see this. We'll see this with every new Stern LE release that people will just go in, people will then share their photos of their unboxings and they will put their thumbs up and they'll tell us how great and amazing it is and how everyone in the household is is only playing the Munsters tonight. Yeah, well, I, I fucking hope so because it's the new pin in town. That it's like so I don't know. There's just this thing where like newness equals a better game and we'll see if the newness and the honeymoon period with Munsters lasts very long. I also love reading people saying like, well, you know, the code, like it's not that deep, but it'll get there. It'll get there. Um, history's pretty much shown us that when it comes to Dwight code, you've you have pretty much what you're gonna get. It 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 is not gonna have this radical polish that people think. Uh, and they're still waiting for Ghostbusters to get there. What two, three years later? Just, just kind of hysterical. Now, speaking of Stern LEs, here's the thing, though, and this is the thing. This is why I think LE owners are a total bunch of wimps right now. That's right. All 600 of you Monsters LE owners, I'm talking to you right now. If you're one of them, listen up. If you're not, you can disregard what I'm about to say. But I think every Monsters LE owner is a freaking wimp and here's why you are accepting a game where it is now confirmed that the freaking lockdown bar and the side rails don't match and it looks so stupid i i, I look i know that's not the biggest thing but for nine thousand dollars the fact that stern is not giving you armor where the lockdown bar and the side rails the blacks match up it, it, it's so bad it is such a piss poor thing that I can't believe they're sending people their games like that. And I'm not hearing anybody, anybody who's opening their LEs complain about it, demand that they match those side rails with the lockdown bar. It doesn't matter to you that that's, that that's off. I mean, it'd be like buying a car where, where the door handle color is a little bit off from the body of the car. And you're staring. That is like one of the sections of the game that you are staring at the most. And 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 it's like the it's like the apron and the side rails match, but then the lockdown bar doesn't match. And then you got even different color on the legs. I I I whatever. That's what I'm just saying. I think you guys are wimps. I think Stern can continue to do stuff like that where it's off and nobody says a word. And the other thing that I was laughing at, did you see this guy got his Munsters LE? And on his inside art decal, there's a big X with like a Sharpie, like a big X in the in the back uh, upper right corner of his of his left side decal. And that went in a game and went to him as a customer. How did that happen? Like nobody saw that. And also now he has to remove and replace that, which is not the easiest thing to do. For those of you who have put side decals in after the game has shipped, it is not it is not a fun thing to do. Anyway, all right, so I'll stop bitching about it. I'm glad you guys got your LEs, but please stop inundating me with how great the game is. You, you just got it 24 hours ago. All right, number five, American Pinball Houdini Nosedive. Have you seen this thread where people are saying, wow, the game has really plummeted in value? And has Houdini taken a nosedive? Now, look, when you're looking at the value of a game, uh, what we have to go on is not a ton of information, right? We're not seeing every Houdini sale on Pinside. We're not seeing it on eBay. Uh, there are, I don't know how many games are out. Uh, we don't know how many they, they made in total. It is always hard to understand like what the actual marketplace is for a pinball game. 
uh, unless that game has a definitive number of games and unless there are a lot of instances where we can see what they recently sold for, right? You know when you go on Zillow and you can see what a property sold for recently and you can you can monitor all the sales and the sales in the neighborhood? I wish someone would create something similar to the pinball marketplace where we could actually track uh, what those pins sold for recently, uh, what the high was, what the low was. That would actually be a really awesome thing for whether it's Pinside or another site to create, but a pinball marketplace uh, where we could monitor those things. So Houdini's sold originally for around, what, like 7000 7300 bucks, something like that, $7,200. Uh, there are new there are new in box ones now that are selling for around six thousand dollars never opened and then a used one I saw recently went for five thousand dollars now look you don't know the condition of the five thousand dollar one I think it was in pretty good condition and uh, most of these games have been in in home use uh, conditions uh, so Houdini is going down in price obviously for a few reasons one is Houdini never really took off in terms of popularity. Uh, it didn't sell a ton, uh, and we all know why. The shots are really tight. People will say they enjoy it. Others will say it's frustrating. Okay, I think Houdini just came out at a time when, you know, there's just a lot out there. Uh, American Pinballs, their big issue is no matter when they release a game, uh, they're they are always going to be within a few months of a, of a new Stern release. Uh, and there was just a lot of stuff that came out in 2018 uh, that was more popular in, in, in the minds of consumers. And so Houdini's, you know, I, look, it's a good it's a good first effort by this company. Remember, they made this game so quickly. I think it was less than a year. It went from nothing to in production uh, and they really recovered the best they could from the John Papaduke nightmare. I think we all can agree on that now. Houdini will, I think, be a game that will always be looked at as a first effort and people will look for them to improve. The big issue, not the big issue, but the big opportunity and the big challenge for American Pinball moving forward is Oktoberfest. They need Oktoberfest to be successful. You, you really can't start a pinball company and have your first two titles not be successful. I mean, look at Jersey Jack. Thank God for him. His first effort is still his greatest effort. Wizard of Oz is still by far the greatest selling Jersey Jack game of all time. It is sold two to three times more than the second best selling title. And without constant Wizard of Oz sales over the years, Jack's out of business, easily out of business. I mean, and if that game wasn't great, Jack is out of business. And so. Uh, you really can't come into the pinball marketplace nowadays and not hit it out of the park if you're competing uh, to, for market share. And you know, and, and I think you know, some spooky came out in an interesting time, but they they you know they they hanging on with these titles. They're they're not making a lot of money. Uh, so look, we'll see what happens with Oktoberfest. The update here is they're getting it ready for TPF. We will see it soon. It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard for them if if they release this game and it doesn't capture the imagination of buyers. There is just a lot coming out. And and again, I, I think we say this because, you know, I really want to see companies succeed. And I, and I think that there's just a lot of market research and a lot you have to get right 
if you want to be successful in this landscape. And it's not me saying it, it's the consumers saying it to the manufacturers because we can just see you know, how well are orders coming in on Oktoberfest right now? People have seen the game for six months. How many have sold? I mean, think about that for a minute. When Stern reveals a game uh, six months down the road, how many have they sold? How many orders have they received? How much excitement is there for it? And we know history has shown us that the longer you delay reveal to shipping, the less and less enthusiasm there is. So it's just going to be really hard to get that back. All right. Uh, number six, home pin is delayed by the Chinese New Year. Oh my God, who has a Thunderbirds? I, I, I feel like this thread is more of a soap opera than an actual pinball company. And do you have one? Does anyone have a Thunderbirds that wants to come on the show? I think one of my listeners said he had one and he loves it. I got to reach back out to him. But for the most part, I'm, I'm really not seeing these games appear anywhere. I'm not seeing unboxings. Uh, I guess there's a delay because of the Chinese New Year. But where is it? I don't know. You know, I mean, is are these guys going to make it? You know, I predicted they would not survive 2019. But if, you, if you're waiting on your Thunderbirds, you're going to keep waiting. All right. Number seven. I can't believe this is all the way down the ladder today. Stern has the Harry Potter license. That is a rumor. And sorry, I just had a little coffee burp. We got that from Joe Kamikow, Kamikow because someone asked him like, you know, do you think Harry Potter pinball will be made? And he's like, you never know what Stern has in the back room. And, hmm, you know, and, and when asked if he thought it would be made, he said yes. And he's working on, I believe, a Harry Potter something for Zynga, like a game. So do we think Stern has the Harry Potter theme or license locked up? Uh, we, I remember, I believe it was Jody and George and the Stern people were down at Harry Potter Wizard World down in Orlando recently, and that that also was sparking some rumors. And here's, I just want to say, I think I speak for all of us out there, and I'm not even a Harry Potter fan, but I think I speak for everybody when I say that nobody is excited if Stern has the license and not Jersey Jack Pinball. It's that simple. And I know you listen to the show, Stern Pinball, employees, marketing department, designers, coders, presidents, CEOs, investors. I know you listen. And I say this from the bottom of my heart. Please let the Harry Potter license go. Please let Jersey Jack make it. Stern, you make a lot of amazing games. You crank out games every year, but Harry Potter is sacred ground. Harry Potter deserves to get more in it than any other pinball machine you've made. We saw what you did with Star Wars. We saw what you did with Game of Thrones. You've had enough chances to make amazing games based on the biggest properties in the world. And we know that you will design the game to a bomb, to a price. And that is what is most important to you. And we also know that the more expensive the license, the less that will go in to the machine. We've seen you do it year in, year out. Harry Potter pinball, something people have waited forever for. I know, and you know, in your heart of hearts, that you will not do this license justice. And I think you should, if you have it, you should say, you know what, Canada's right. For the, for the betterment of pinball, for the greater good of all of humanity, we should relinquish the Harry Potter title to Jersey Jack Pinball.
because we know that they're the only ones that can do Harry Potter justice. And with all that's in those books and all the magic of Harry Potter, we don't want to see a game that is all about what's happening on the LCD with wide open, barren play fields and parts bin designs. We want to see something that is like mechs and toys and wizards and magic. And if you were to ask yourselves, everybody out there, think about it. When was the last time you saw a magical thing happen on the playfield of a stern pinball machine? All right, magic. Pinball magic. Think about that. Think about it. All the recent releases. Where, where's the magic? What, 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 what is, what's magically happening in Munsters or Star Wars or Batman? Anything, anything where like the ball's like, wow. Have they, ever, have they even made a ball disappear? Have they made a ball float through the air? Have they made a ball get grabbed in, in a mysterious magnetic way? No. Like you can, you know, the other thing about pinball that's funny is you, because you can see the magnet, it's like it removes the magic. You think about that for a moment. Like Stern's got this big magnet that you can see. The last magical thing, I'm trying to think. I mean, we even got like more magic and stuff like Metallica, the ring in Lord of the Rings. I just think that we know now that Stern is not going to invest in the mechanical engineering of a Harry Potter machine to do that theme justice, all right? Do you disagree or do you agree? Do you want them to have it? The only upside is if Stern has it, you know you're going to get the game. You know you're going to get it. But I think that it needs to be a Jersey Jack game. All right, maybe Deep Root can get it. We'll see. Um, God, isn't Deep Root just like in the back of your head always? For me, it's like that. Like they're just always lingering there. Whenever I feel like I know what's going to happen in 2019, there's all these people going into work every day at Deep Root doing what? What are they working on? When are they going to show us what they're working on? Eventually, they're going to have to reveal something in 2019. Gosh, every week, it's just like the same old, you know, you talk about everything, you think you're done, and someone's like, wait a minute, you forgot Deep Root, and it's like, oh, fuck, I guess I did. All right, where are Barry and Yop? This is my final point, then I'm going to read some emails, then I got to get to work. Where are Barry and Yop? Where is the update for the Dutch pinball people? I saw a pin side thread from a year ago. And the subject was class action lawsuit against Dutch Pinball. And, the, and someone wrote, it's too early for that. It's too early. We can't sue these guys now. We should wait. Well, it's been a year. Where the fuck is the lawsuit against Barry and Yop? Isn't it time? Isn't it time that you guys who are burned by this, these two guys, finally put pressure on them to either close up shop they, they should feel some more pain. I, I just feel like they're like, how are they even suffering? They took your money and you didn't get your game. And they took a lot of people's money and it was 8,500 bucks. And what, what are they doing? Like, how does it take this long to sit down with ARA and just figure out if there's a solution? They're, they're not sending a rocket to the moon. They're not trying to cure cancer. They're simply trying to figure out whether or not they can like make your game, all right? Sue them, sue their asses. Bubba's about to growl. I think Bubba lost his money on the Big Lebowski. Hold on a second, Bubba, what's up, buddy? All right, I got an email from Jeff S. He says, hi, Chris. Your support of a truce among podcasters in episode 317 is great to hear. That sounds like the right thing to do. 
I was surprised you continue using the head-to-head -head image as part of your recent show's cover. Reasons for removing their image are obvious, so I won't get into them, but it's time to revert back to your old show cover. Well, Jeff, I have, if you've noticed. He also wrote, I know you are concerned about Ryan C.'s absence from head-to-head -head podcast, as I am too. Marty hinted the reason was jail. So considering adding the attached to your show cover, bust Ryan C. out of Supermax. I don't know where he is. He's got to come back. You can't leave Marty to that show alone. It's just not fair. All right, I got an email from Philip. He says, do, do, do. All right, so Philip says, my pirates arrived last week. Fixing all the small issues, the story of this game is now crystal clear to me. Jack did not want to reveal the game so early. He wanted to make sure everything works perfectly fine, and his plan probably was to ship it in a reasonable short time after reveal. However, he got pushed, revealing it early by someone, probably his investor. Maybe Jack told him that he needed more time to make sure all the mechs work properly. His investor then told him that it will be all right and that he has full trust in the skills of Eric and team. So they revealed it. And of course, there had to be problems. The stupid disc wasn't reliable and the chess was too complicated, error prone. This must have been an extremely frustrating time for the whole team. Now the whole schedule got pushed back. They had to figure out first. At the same time, they couldn't produce just anything. Enough hobbits were sitting at distributors. Dialed in was not the biggest seller. And Waz maybe didn't have the parts ready for a new edition. For pirates, they had to order or make new parts, and the whole factory was kind of in hibernation mode, which of course sucks. Then, once they figured it out, they had to get production up and running. By now, the hype was over. At the same time, development of newer, maybe more promising games was advanced, and maybe the license was running out really early. Who knows? But I'm sure they had to rush as many games out the door as possible. And here's my point. Quality-wise, the game is extremely well done. Quality control, however, was not their biggest concern. That's for sure. And it shows. It shows with my game, and it shows on the Pirates' pinside thread. They rushed it out the door. And now, once they're done with it, I'm sure Eric is proud, and rightfully so. It's an incredible game and first effort for him. But at the same time, I'm sure he and Jack and the whole team are relieved to have the game out of their sight. Together with the guy who acquired the license, I'm sure they will never produce more. Not because it's not a great game, because there will be other games with less stressful memories associated with them than Pirates, and these games will be even better. That's totally my imaginative story of what happened. I think you got one thing wrong. Not everything that's great must sell well, and not everything that sells well is great. I love my Pirates, and I think it's one of the best pinball machines ever released. I just wish there was a bit of a smoother story to go with its release. Oh, and I also think that you will not like it, not primarily because of the theme or lack of assets or the complicated code, but because it doesn't really tell a story. And from listening to all your podcasts, I think you are a guy who wants to experience a story when playing. It doesn't do that. For me, I'm more of an atmosphere, experience kind of guy. And for this, it's just perfect. Keep up the good work, Phil. 
All right. He says, P.S. Hope it makes sense. Hard to express myself in another language. Well, Phil, I think that made complete sense. Let me tell you something. Your story about Pirates release is pretty much 100% spot on. It wasn't the investor. It was the CEO of Jersey Jack Pinball that made Jack go early. I do think they're relieved to have the game out the door. It is abundantly clear that Pirates of the Caribbeans are being rushed out of the factory. And there are so many little quality control issues with that game. I just read last night a new inbox owner opened up his game and a bunch of stuff on the machine is not working and he feels like shit. And I'm sorry, but there are not that many Pirates of the Caribbean owners, but there are a lot of those owners who are having problems with their games. And that's total bullshit on a game that's so expensive. Jersey Jack needs to get their quality control down. I'm not, I've always said it. I didn't say like the game's not like a great game. It's not a good game. I think it's it, it it seems to me like a complete headache to own. And yes, I do like a game that has a story and tells a story. And here's why I think the lack of assets are the reason why the game doesn't really tell a story. Because how can a game that's based on Pirates of the Caribbean, like f- th- there are five stories there, and and the, then the, yet the pinball machine can't tell a story. How, see how inane that is when I think about it? The reason why the game can't tell the story like you're Captain Jack and your goal is to do this. and you're it, Because by doing it the way they did it and making you select characters, they completely fucked up the storyline and the narrative of Pirates of the Caribbean. Because when you watch a Pirates of the Caribbean movie... You're, you're playing as the hero, as the protagonist. You're not just allowed to select like anyone within the movie and then go. See, I just think they, they had to do it that way because of the realities of the assets. And, you, and people have to accept that's the way it worked. It's the same reason why I don't like Star Wars at all. I don't like the Star Wars Stern game at all because just let people play as Luke. You're Luke Skywalker. There's three movies. Your goal is in movie one to learn the Force, and movie two is to like find out who your father is, and in movie th- you know and blow up the Death Star in, in the first. You know, th- like how hard would it have been to just put the player in in the role of Luke Skywalker, right? The fact that you can like pick like R two D two, like what what the fuck? And all that's done, and the same thing is done with pirates. The whole reason why it's organized that way is for scoring. It's it's the games are designed to give you different methods to get to different scores. It's not meant to give you different ways to uh, you know see a story unfold, to see a journey unfold, and that's that's why I think. It's misguided when you make pinball machines like that because scoring should not be the goal or the end of the journey. It should be the end. There should be an end of a story that happens in a game. And and, am I wrong? And especially when you're making a pinball machine based on movies that have fucking stories that have been outlined for us by script writers and screenwriters and authors who are far more talented than anyone coding a pinball machine, right? The George Lucas tale is, 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 is so amazing. And then you give it to Dwight and it's a complete fuck up like chess game trying to like what? The, how do you take that story and Dwight codes it and Dwight and St- Steve Ritchie get together. They take one of the most amazing stories of all time and they completely fuck it up in translating it for pinball. Completely fucked it up. It's the easiest story to get right. Look at Lord of the Rings, how fucking genius 
they brought that story to life in that pinball machine. You feel like you're in all three movies. You feel like you're a hobbit on a journey. They did it so perfectly. And yet Star Wars fucked it up completely for me. I'm sorry, I get like I get heated because I wanted Star Wars to be amazing and I should fucking own one. I'm the biggest Star Wars fan and I play that game and I'm like, what the fuck is this? All right, all right, everybody. This is Canada's Pinball Podcast. We're not ending, but um, in case you thought you were somewhere else in a more positive podcast. All right, so I got an email. Um, Motley Crew Merchandising. All right, he says, from M. Drucker, Matt Drucker, I was chuckling at the possibility of a Motley Crew pinball. I'm forwarding you an email inquiry I made five years ago about the license. So he basically... He inquired about the Motley Crew license five years ago, uh, and they basically replied back to him and said, nope, we're not interested. So, but look, here's the deal. Stern Pinball has a lot more clout um, than most people, and I think Motley Crew would make a good pinball machine. But, uh, you know, as many have said, I'm kind of getting bored about all these music pins in general, but they're not going to stop. I'm a big Guns N' Roses fan. That's why. I want Guns N' Roses. So speaking of that, I got an email from Mary, Marius. Marius. Uh, let's see. Neocleus. Now, I think this is our friend in Greece who has uh, his, the daughter who listens to the show. Or, or So he says, Chris, Guns N' Roses over Led Zeppelin? Question mark. I was cringing when you were talking shit about Queen saying it wasn't a big enough license. One look at the Oscars is enough to prove that wrong. But seriously, man, I have to draw the line at Guns N' Roses over Led Zeppelin. May I point out that Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, and Black Sabbath creates this genre. Every wannabe guitarist wets his ears trying to play Stairway to Heaven. I hear cashmere and whole lot of love being played all the time on TV in various live events and reality shows. It is just so happens that GNR is the type of music you were listening to in your musical prime years, and I feel that may have tainted your viewpoint. By the way, for the record, I was born in the early 70s, so I sit right in the middle of both bands. I do like GNR, but they are not a Zeppelin or Floyd. Wash your mouth out with soap, young man. On a plus side, I voted for you at the Twippies. Keep up the good work. Stop talking about music you're clueless all right so look brother here's the deal music is subjective i mean like i love guns and roses i don't love led zeppelin i don't love rush i don't love black sabbath uh and so what i don't have to and neither do you and uh, musical arguments are the most ridiculous thing ever I still think Guns and Fucking Roses to me is like the coolest rock and roll band of all time. And back in their heyday, nobody was fucking cooler than GNR. Nobody. I mean, I mean, Led Zeppelin, Black Sabbath. I don't care. I don't care. I will put up. I will put up Appetite for Destruction as the greatest rock and roll album of all time. And I will happily argue that those twelve songs written by those five dudes had more energy, more attitude. And, and just captured fucking culture like nothing else. It, it, and, and, and again, the reason why I say to this day, I'm not saying people don't play Black Sabbath and Led Zeppelin. They sure as hell do. But Guns N' Roses music continues to be more played in the mainstream than those other acts. It just That's just the reality of it. And look, they're, 
this is so dumb. They're all juggernaut bands. They all have sold tens of millions of albums, if not a few hundred, like a hundred million plus albums. They they all can go on tour and and make hundreds of millions of dollars nowadays. They all have fan bases globally. I'm not going to argue one's better than the other. I'm just going to say for me, I would prefer to have Guns N' Roses than a Rush or a Led Zeppelin or a Motley Crue. But here's the thing. I'm going to I'm going to shock all you guys. If I could pick one musical thing to be in a pinball machine, it wouldn't be any of them. For me, my dream music pin is Andrew Lloyd Webber's Phantom of the Opera and I want a Phantom of the Opera pinball machine that has the music from Lloyd Webber. I that to me that is such a romantic pinball experience and the story is incredible and everything happening in that play would perfectly translate into pinball and I wish they would do that and no please don't send me an email saying there is a Phantom of the Opera pinball machine because it is it is not the Android Weber Phantom of the Opera it is just based on the original tale huge difference the music is what makes the Lloyd Webber thing so damn special all right I got to get going because I got work soon. Let me get a few more in here. All right. Let's see. Do, 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 do. Tim went. He says, a couple things you say drive me crazy. Well, sorry, Tim. But he says, lots of great episodes lately. A couple things you say do drive me crazy. So let's look, look at one today. Pinball is dead in 10 years. Is crazy talk. The data just doesn't agree. In the last three years, Stern's sales have grown 40%, 40%, and then 20%. Most companies would love that growth. If demand was waning, you would not see newcomers like Spooky, American, JJP, and Deep Root coming into the market. These machines account for several thousand more sales per year. And these sales obviously have not come at the expense of Stern. Is a shrinking market... Um, Wait, is shrinking marketing uh, accounting for all this growth? I say no way. All right, first, Tim, let me stop you there. There is no way, there is no way Stern Pinball over the last three years grew 40%, 40%, and then 20%. No way, no way. Do you, and and where, where are the numbers to support that? 40%. That means if Stern made 10,000 pinball machines three years ago, then the next year they made 14,000, then the next year on top of that, um, you know, go on and on. I, I, I can't do the math in my head, but like then you're almost at like like 17,000 pinball machines, 40% growth a year. There is no way that they are seeing that level of increase. And so, and then the other people you mentioned, Spooky, American, JJP, and Deep Root, uh, they, I'm sorry, but they're not selling several thousand games a year. Uh, not even close. I mean, Spooky at most can maybe make 350 games a year, 500 at most. American Pinball maybe sold 500 Houdinis. Jersey Jack on the other hand, maybe they get to, I don't know, maybe, who knows, 800 a year, 1,000 a year. Deep Roots sold nothing, all right? So he goes on to say, Joe Newhart on your show stated it's not rich dudes and pinball people and that each month women are now purchasing machines for themselves. All right, let's stop there. How many women do you think are buying pinball machines a year? Let's And, and, and I'm not saying this to create like a, 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 a sexist statement. How many women do you actually think are walking into a distributor buying a pinball machine? All right. And look, for the market to grow, 
it, it's new new in box sales. It's not going to grow by like secondhand sales of games. That's not growing the market. I would say, and again, I would say in a given year, the amount of women who have walked in and bought a pinball machine is, I would say, less than a hundred, a hundred out of ten thousand. So let's not even start with that. So he goes on to say, anecdotally, it's easy to see evidence everywhere that pinball is growing. He he goes on to write some stuff. The number of tournament players has exploded, exploded. I know, yeah, Pinberg sold out in seconds. It's exploded. Barcades are popping up everywhere. They're everywhere, Chris. You, you can't swing a dead cat without seeing a barcade pop up. He then writes, here in Iowa. Oh, yeah, oh, the mecca of, of market research. He writes, there are at least 36 pinball machines on location within a 45-minute drive. Holy shit, guys. 36 machines in Iowa. Pinball up 40% year after year. 36 machines in Iowa. Within a 45-minute drive, he goes on to say 10 years ago, probably none, especially considering about 70% of these location machines are modern Stearns and JJP titles. Oh, Tim, I know I'm like, I know I'm being sarcastic as I read your note, but let me finish your note, then I'll go on. He says, finally, I think you may be misreading the marketing, uh, wait, you may be misreading the marketing tea leaves. As the middle class rises, the demand for home arcades and game rooms is growing. Video councils have not killed the demand for pool tables and dartboards because they're not in the same market segment. Perhaps some overlap, but not equal. Tim, you didn't just compare a fucking dartboard. All right, a piece of fucking cardboard that hangs on the wall, man. A dartboard to a fucking pinball machine. Did you, did you just put those in the same category of a, of a five to $10,000 thing versus a dartboard? Okay, dartboards will never die because they're fucking cheap and people like throwing shit through the air. All right, he then goes on to say, aside from a zombie apocalypse, pinball is going to be around for a long time. Stay awesome, my friend. Hope you win the twippy. Tim W. Conjurer on Pinside. All right, Tim, you're going to be my last email I read today because I really have to run to work. I have a call in a half hour. But here's the thing, Tim. My God, my God. Yeah, pinball is bigger than ever. It's the biggest thing happening. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's having a resurgence for sure, but in ten years, like this is what I said. I said in ten years, I think pinball is not going to be nearly, nearly having the same sort of resurgence it's having right now. Here's the thing, and this is the part that nobody wants to fucking like just realize is we will hit an economic downturn, and I know what people say. Well, during the economic downturn, the resale price of a Monster Bash didn't really decrease. It's not about that. What will happen during an economic downturn is, yes, there will be much less people buying new in-box machines. What you realize during the last recession, and we haven't had one since then, during the last recession, Stern struggled to survive. If an economic downturn happens, it is not going to be very viable for all these pinball manufacturers to stick around. And if you don't think we are oversaturated now, I think you're fooling yourselves. You have to look no further than the amount of games that are up for sale, the amount of people that are losing a couple thousand dollars now in every new inbox machine. I get it. I get it. But every every year, that's another 10,000 pinball machines out in the world. And every year, 
more and more people are, yes, more and more people are getting into the hobby, but is are the number of people that are getting into the hobby that are also buyers of new pinball machines, do they correlate? And it's you can play tournaments all you want. You can go out to barcades all you want, but that's not... That's not going to increase new in-box pinball sales. Uh, yes, I get it. When new people get into the hobby every once in a while, yes, you're going to get people who want to own one for their home. I think pinball is going to have a, a – the next two to three years, I do think pinball is going to be very strong. But if you can't see the oversaturation that is coming, I also think we will reach a point in which you know people will just uh, – you know we're just going to peak out. And, and there's going to be so many machines available that you're almost going to become an, an, a fool for buying a new inbox pinball machine because there's just going to be so much available at a good price that p- buying the new inbox prices will seem kind of idiotic. And at some point, doesn't there have to be some sort of innovation or push forward to make pinball more magical than it currently is? I'm sorry. I mean, that's always how I feel that... You know, the machines people are buying now, and I look at them, like Stern Games in 2019, like they, they look less advanced than Stern, than games from 1996. You know, so it's like, well, how long is that going to last? And is it going to keep on going? And, how, and are people going to be satisfied? And then what's going to happen when Deep Root comes out? And, and all these people are, are fighting for pinball dollars. And do we really think that a toy that is basically an old toy like pinball is going to have a bright future? Is there any other example of something that was really popular 30, 40 years ago that will always remain popular? I mean, I get it. Like stuff like vinyl has comebacks, but again, it's it, they have trendy moments in which they have resurgences, but ultimately, I do think if you look far down the road, 10 plus years, pinball will decline. Pinball will not have a forever future. Imagine this. Imagine one day, Stern Pinball, you know, they cash in, they're cashing in right now. But imagine one day they just close doors and they, they, they're done. Then what happens to pinball? And life, society, and everything will go on. You know, and there, you could have barcades now. There are enough new pinball machines out in the world. There's enough pinball out in the world where you could have barcades pop up forever. And even the barcade trend is a trend. Do not, do you, you, you just, people don't understand Youth and youth will not grow up and accept and appreciate pinball the way that you do who listen to this podcast, who have kids who grew up around it, who play in tournaments. I tell you, I work with so many people age 20 to 30. The majority of them, nobody plays pinball. Nobody's going to barcades. It's not the popular thing. It's not even remotely popular. The problem is, is anyone I talk to on this show, you guys are living in the pinball bubble and you see things through the pinball lens more than most people do. So of course, the way you look at it, you're like, it's like you said, Tim, 36 games, 36 games. I mean, look at New York City. How many bars in them have pinball machines? I can count on my hand. There's probably probably 20 bars in total that have pinball machines in them in New York City out of like 20,000 bars. And when you go into those bars, go into them. Walk into Pioneer Bar, you know, Crazy Levy's Bar. Walk into that bar. And on a Thursday night, when everyone is in there, you know, ages from, you know, 21 all the way up to like 50, 
And look at what everyone's doing. They're drinking, they're playing music. There's hardly anybody on the pinball machines. So don't be fooled. Don't be fooled. I, it's easy to get trapped into thinking that, that most people are ex as excited as you are about pinball. All right? Now look, we all are excited. I think we've got a few great years coming. But the future is not, the, the long-term future is not great for pinball. Just, that's my opinion. I, if we agree to disagree, so be it. All right, I got to run to work. I got to call in 20 minutes. I'm going to be late. Everyone, love you. Check out episode 320 coming soon. Bye. This year's loving.